Good morning, everyone. It's nice to have the opportunity to come and share with you God's Word. We pray God will bless us as we sit under it this morning. But let's bow together and pray for our needy world. We're part of this world. God's heart is for the world and for all those who are suffering and finding life difficult. So let's bow together in a time of intercession. Father, we thank you that you are the one who is in control of this universe. And we thank you that Christ is the victor over death and the grave, the victor over sin. And we thank you for the opportunity to come before you, the one who has all power in his hand. And we come to intercede for this world and for all those who are in need. Father, there are many who are living as refugees today, living in camps, who are um, deprived of their home and security, who are dependent on the humanitarian aid that's provided to keep them alive. Father, we do pray for those who are living in such circumstances today. And we thank you for Christians who are concerned to reach and to care for those who are living in such situations. We thank you, Father, for the work that's being done in Lebanon amongst refugees from Syria, particularly work being done by Baptists in Lebanon to try and reach out and care for those who are refugees and to educate the children. Lord, we pray your blessing upon them. We pray, Heavenly Father, for those who are undergoing oppression in their homelands because of their convictions, because of their faith in Jesus Christ. We pray for the persecuted church today. We ask, Lord, that you would bless all of our brothers and sisters who are in prison today and suffering because of their faith in Jesus and their testimony for him. We think of how the Apostle John was in just such a situation on the Isle of Patmos, and we pray that on the Lord's day, they, like John, will catch a vision of the risen, exalted Christ to encourage them and strengthen them. We pray, Heavenly Father, for our own country and for the many who are in need here. We pray for those who are dependent on the food banks and we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would just reach out and meet the needs of all those who are struggling to make ends meet. We pray, Heavenly Father, for your wisdom and grace for those who rule over us. We pray for them to be sensitive and compassionate and to find ways to see this nation through the crisis that we're passing at this time. Father, you have told us to pray for those in authority over us, and that is what we want to do. Father, we pray for your church worldwide. We thank you that we're part of a fellowship of people all over the globe who this day will come together and will lift up the name of Jesus. So bless your people wherever they are. We pray that you would reach out and minister your word to each and every heart. We pray that today, as your scriptures are opened up and the message of the gospel is proclaimed, we pray that 
that seed will fall on receptive hearts and that there will be those who will come to faith in Jesus Christ today and be born again. Father, we ask for ourselves now that you would minister to us in this place as we wait upon you for your word. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say a welcome to Moffat and Joy Lindsay from Australia. Some of you will know of Moffat. Uh, Moffat was one of the young men round about time when I was a young man who uh, received a call from God to serve him in ministry. And he went overseas to serve in Pakistan for many years and became field leader out there for ICF in Pakistan. Moffat and Joy, we're glad to see you. Uh, yes, I can see you. <laughs> I've spotted you. And we're delighted to welcome you back to the church here in Hamilton. Lord bless you. They're on holiday, and it's great to catch up again. Well, we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read the first six verses. It's entitled Unity in the Body, Paul writing to the believers in Ephesus. And Ephesians 4.1, this is what he says. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. May God bless his word. To our hearts. So John Barbaroli was once conducting a symphony orchestra in a concert hall that was used for cultural events on weekdays and for religious services on a Sunday. On this Saturday evening, the hall was packed, and one of the patrons of the orchestra noticed that the minister who was due to preach the following morning in that place was sitting in the audience. And he went over to him, and with great cynicism, he asked, when are you going to fill this hall on Sunday the way Sir John Barbaroli has tonight? And the minister looked him straight in the eye and said, I'll fill this hall on Sunday morning, when you give to me, as you gave to Sir John tonight, 85 disciplined men and women to be with him and work with him, you give that to me, and I'll fill this hall. Can you imagine what could be accomplished if church members were as disciplined, dedicated, and united as the members of an orchestra if we as members of the church were as sensitive as the members of an orchestra 
to respond to the promptings of the great conductor as he draws from us a symphony of praise and worship that glorifies his name and fulfills his purposes in us and through us. That kind of unity amongst believers is important to Jesus. In his high priestly prayer in John 17, verses 20 and 21, Jesus said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who, were, who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. Unity is of the utmost importance because of the witness that it brings to the reconciling power of the gospel. Paul also prayed for unity in the passage we read together in Ephesians chapter 1. And in Ephesians chapter 4, sorry. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul tells us, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now, something to notice carefully here, we're not asked to maintain, we're asked to maintain spiritual unity, but not to create it. God has already created spiritual unity amongst his people. And we are called to maintain it. We are already united with one another in Christ. That's a fact. John Stott said the unity of the church is as indestructible as the unity of God himself. We are one. But Truman Dollar, in an article he wrote in a magazine, said this, we've never achieved perfect unity in a local church any more than any of us has been completely transformed into the image of Jesus. That unity of which Jesus speaks in our lives is a work in progress. And we are called to work on it so that we can maintain spiritual unity. And each one of us as Christian believers, by the way we hold on to our convictions and the way we conduct ourselves within the life of the local church, can either enhance or diminish spiritual unity. That's why it's good that we are reminded of our obligation to sustain spiritual unity. So, how do we do that? Can I suggest, first of all, from this passage in Ephesians 4, that we do it by emphasizing our fundamental unity. You see, in the end of the day, God is less concerned about the way we do things externally than with the condition of our hearts and spirits internally. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7 reminds us, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
external things, such as the way in which we express our worship, or the way that we reach out in witness and service, these things are not so important to the living God as the condition of our hearts internally. Well, as a local church, we do have to look at things like how we worship, how we witness, how we serve, but God is more interested in how your heart is this morning. We are able to worship, witness, and serve when, as God's people, our heart is right with him and our heart is right with one another. (coughs) So what really interests the Lord is not our denominational level label. Uh, What interests the Lord isn't whether we are traditional or contemporary in our worship style, but the quality of our internal relationship with him and one another. And if that is right, then as a local congregation, we can move forward in the right direction towards the unity for which Jesus prays. In verses 4 and 6 of Ephesians 4, we read, There is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Through our relationship to the one Spirit, to the one Lord, And to our one God and Father, we are united with one another. Because this morning, look around you at everyone who's here, all those who belong to Jesus belong to one another. We are one in him. And when we emphasize our fundamental unity in the Godhead, a local church can become a powerful instrument for God as it reaches out into the local community. There was a Peanuts cam- uh, cartoon in which Lucy demanded that Linus change the TV channel. And she began to threaten him with her fist. What makes you think you can walk right in here and take over, Linus asks. These five fingers, said Lucy. Individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that's terrible to behold. Which channel do you want? said Linus. And then turning away from Lucy, he looked at his own hands and he said, why can't you guys get organized like that? Why can't we guys get organized so that we are functioning together, we are working together, we are serving together, We are worshipping together. We're doing it all together in a way that reinforces our spiritual unity. 
because we are one in Christ. So how do we sustain spiritual unity in this local church? We do it, first of all, by emphasizing our fundamental unity. We are one because of Christ. And secondly, we do it by activating a Christ-like conduct. Verse 1 of Ephesians 4, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Because of our high calling in Christ, we are obliged to reflect the Spirit of Christ in the way we conduct ourselves. We should relate to one another in a Christ-like way so that we can maintain and strengthen the unity we have in Christ. And Paul lists in Ephesians 4 four qualities that help us to achieve this goal. And the first is humility. Verse 2, Paul says, always be humble. Too often we've got too high opinion of ourselves and too low an opinion of others. God said in Isaiah 66 and verse 2, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts. True humility characterized the life and ministry of Jesus himself. As Paul reminds us in his words to the church at Philippi, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He gave up. He took the humble position in obedience to God. And we are to do the same. Micah 6.8 says we're required to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Now, to do that requires a ruthless self-evaluation. Paul says in Romans 12.3, don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Love and compassion should characterize the way we evaluate ourselves and others. 1 Peter 3.8 says, all of you, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Powerful words. More powerful words from an author who sums it up this way. Humility, he said is to have perpetual quietness of heart. It is to have no trouble. It is never to be fretted or vexed, irritated or angry. I am to wonder at nothing that is done to me and to be at rest when nobody praises me. When I'm blamed or despised, I'm not to be rebellious. Instead, I should retire to my inner closet, kneel to my father in secret, 
and find rest, even though all around may be trouble. Humility. Always be humble. That helps us sustain spiritual unity if we seek to, seek to be humble. Next quality is gentleness. Always be humble and gentle. And again, Jesus is our supreme example. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he said, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Jesus wasn't rough with people. You know, sometimes folks can be rough with, with others. I've heard Christians described in this way, or they're, uh, they're awful hard on people. And sometimes we can be rough with our fellow brothers and sisters. But Jesus was gentle. Matthew 12, 20, he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. The needy, the hurting, the vulnerable, they all reached out to Jesus for help. Why? Because he was gentle and he was kind and he was compassionate. Galatians 5.22 tells us gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. The more we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more gentle we will become. And that spirit of gentleness will strengthen our unity in the body of Christ. We need to be gentle people, relating to one another with kindness and meekness. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said, Matthew 5, 5. They will inherit the earth. We boy was once asked, who are the meek? And he thought for a moment and he replied, they are people who give soft answers to hard questions. I like that. I'm not sure that I've been like that throughout my life in ministry that I've always been like that. But the meek, the gentle, are those who give soft answers to hard questions. People whose strength is under con the Spirit's control. And that helps to maintain and sustain our unity in Christ. So, we activate Christ-like conduct by expressing humility and living as humble people and being gentle and also being patient because humility and gentleness leads to patience. Ephesians 4.2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. God's infinitely patient with us. Stop for a moment to think how often you let God down. Just think how you fail the Lord and how patient and loving and kind and compassionate he is towards us in all our weakness and frailty and failures. And because he is patient with us, we are to be patient with one another. When Charles Stanley discovered David Livingstone in the depths of Africa after looking for him. He wrote this in his journal. 
when I saw that unwearied patience, that unflagging zeal, and those enlightened sons of Africa, I became a Christian at his side, though he never spoke to me one word. You see, it's a witness to the gospel in itself when we display patience. Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 5.14, be patient with everyone. Well, now there are moments when our immaturity and imperfection and our insecurity is revealed because we're impatient. But patience helps to sustain our fellowship and strengthen our unity in the body of Christ. Humility, gentleness, patience, and finally love, as as, uh, Paul says. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fault because of your love. Do you know, Jesus' love poured into our hearts means that we do more than simply tolerate one another. We really love one another the way Jesus loves us. First Peter 4.8 says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. So we are to activate a Christ-like conduct to maintain and sustain spiritual unity in the body of Christ. We are to be humble, to be gent- we are to be gentle, we are to be patient, and we are to be filled with the love of Jesus. And thirdly and finally in this uh, short passage in Ephesians 4, We sustain spiritual unity by acknowledging our rich diversity. When we look at the churches to which Paul wrote in the New Testament, every church was different and distinctive. And yet all these churches were united with one another in Christ. Hans Kuhn, theologian, wrote this, it's not part of the nature of the church to have a uniform form of worship, nor uniform hierarchies, nor even a uniform theology. In the light of Ephesians 4, 4 to 6, the opposite would seem to be true. Diversity in worship, one God, one baptism, and one Lord's Supper, but different peoples, different communities, different languages, Different rites and forms of devotion, different prayers, hymns, vestments, different styles of art, and in this sense, different churches. Diversity does not undermine unity. It enhances it. God enjoys diversity. The world he created isn't monochrome or monotonous. The world he created is a riot of color and variety, and the church he is building is a riot of color and diversity. 
and some of you are a wee bit more a riot of color than others this morning, but look around you, brothers and sisters. We're all different. God has made us all different. And in Ephesians 4, 7, we're told he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And we strengthen and maintain our unity in Christ when as diverse people we acknowledge God has given us diverse gifts. We've received those gifts of the Spirit to enrich the life of the whole body. They're not earned. These gifts are not deserved. And so there should be no reason for anyone to boast in whatever gift God has given to them. But they are given to us to serve one another and to serve Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6, different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And as you exercise the gifts God's given you, you're helping to sustain and strengthen the unity that he has given to the local church. Not only given diverse gifts, we're given diverse people with diverse personalities and diverse opinions who share with us in our common life in Jesus in the local church. And we all have to remember that the way we express our diversity can either strengthen or weaken our unity. So we have to be careful, and we have to be thoughtful, and we have to be considerate of one another. Bill Hybels, who was pastor of Willow Creek Church, said this, the mark of community, true biblical unity, is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of a reconciling spirit. Yeah, we will always find differences amongst us. And we will always have differences of opinion. And sometimes our differences will strain our unity in Christ. Well, let's take one example from the New Testament. The relationship between Paul and Barnabas was strained over John Mark. He had bailed out on the first missionary journey and then appeared and wanted to go on the second missionary journey. Barnabas was willing to take him. Paul was not. And it led to a parting of the ways. They had different opinions. They had a different decision. And the result was that one went one way and the other went the other. But sometime later, we discover in the book of Acts that Paul and John Mark were reconciled and that John Mark became an important colleague in the ministry of Paul as apostle to the Gentiles. So it's important that 
we have a reconciling spirit and we do not allow differences of opinion to drive wedges between us and tear us apart. Keep united in the spirit. That's always more important than scoring points and proving we were in the right and the others were in the wrong. I want to bring this message to a close, message on maintaining and sustaining spiritual unity amongst the fellowship of God's people. I want to conclude with a story I found very moving. A little boy was brought into a holiday Bible club midway through the morning. We always ran holiday Bible clubs, and of course here we've got Messy Church. The little boy had one arm missing. And since the class was already busy, the teacher didn't have a chance to find out the boy's story and what the circumstances were, and she was nervous because she hadn't been able to prepare the rest of the children to the fact that a wee boy with only one arm was going to be there. And she was, she was very nervous, but as the morning progressed, she began to relax. She saw that everything was going well and there were no difficulties. But then it came time to close. And uh, she went into autopilot mode because they always, they always closed by that, uh, here is the church, I can never get this one right, here's the church and here's the people open the doors. You know the, the thing that you do with your fingers and your hand? And she'd gone into autopilot and she was in the midst of this when suddenly she realized the wee boy couldn't do that because he had only one arm. And she, she stopped the little saying midway through. But as she looked out, she saw the little girl sitting next to this wee boy, reaching over her left hand and placing it on his right hand. And she heard him say, Davy, let's make the church together. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus is asking of us this morning? Let's make it together. Let's work together. Let's do everything we can, putting our hands together to overcome every weakness, every inadequacy. Let's maintain our spiritual unity with God and our unity with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And let's make the church together by his grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its challenge. Help us to play our part in appreciating the oneness that we have in Jesus Christ, a unity that is as firm and strong and unbreakable as the unity of the Godhead between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray you would help us to join hands together and by your grace and in your power to serve you and to help work with you in the building of your church. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.